Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, where each week Jonathan and his co-host interview the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing. Jonathan, take it away. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. It's episode 512. We've got a great guest. We've got Jim Hoffman with us from Growth Hits. It's a growth agency. It's one of the leading agencies in that particular um, niche sector. So, Jim, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers? Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm Jim Huffman. I'm the CEO of Growth Hit. We are a, a growth marketing consultancy focused on one thing that is uh, conversion rate optimization. And so we like being kind of your outsourced head of growth. But yeah, I'm out here in Seattle, Washington. But yeah, ex- excited to be here. Oh, thank you. It's great that you agreed to come on the show, Jim. And I've got my uh, great co-host, Adrian. Adrian, would you like to introduce yourself to the new listeners and viewers? Hi, everyone. My name is Adrian. I am the CEO and founder of Groundhog. Uh, we help small businesses launch their sales funnel, grow their list, and scale their business. And before we go into the main um, part of the interview, folks, I just want to mention our great sponsors. Our main sponsor, and they've been sponsoring the show for over a couple of years now, is Kinsta. Kinsta is only a WordPress hosting company. What do you get from Kinsta? Well, you get some of the best technology. You get a fantastic UX interface. You get Google Cloud hosting and Best of all, you get 24-7 support from one of the best support teams in WordPress hosting. I can honestly say that they go above the norm when it comes to their support. And you know you can waste a lot of time. If you've got a technical question and you can't sort it out yourself, you can waste a lot of time with hosting companies. That won't happen with Kinsta. So if you value your time and you value your client's time, I suggest you go over to Kinsta, have a look at their products, and maybe buy one of their packages for yourself or for your clients. And the main thing is tell them that you heard about Kinsta on the WP Tonic Show. Our other sponsor is a real friend of the show. It's WP Fusion. Now, if you're looking to put Groundhog, any of the SaaS-based CRMs like Active Campaign, um, Drip, there's a host of them, um, or like I say, Groundhog, you really do need WP Fusion. It's an amazing product. If you or your clients are into modern marketing and automization and you want your WordPress site to be able to flawlessly communicate with these modern CRMs, you need WP Fusion. Go over to their site, look at their packages for what they can do and the amazing power. They are amazing value. Go and buy them and like the same go and tell them that you heard about WP Fusion on WP Tonic. So into the main part of the interview. So, Jim, first of all, um, what is a growth agency? Can you give us a a quick synopsis of precisely what you do and um, why you got into that particular area? Yeah, it's um, it's really hard to manage expectations when you throw growth in front of your name, right? So out of the gate, it's a little difficult. But um, yeah, I, I think a, a growth agency, a growth marketing firm, they're, they're trying to kind of put a spin on 
traditional marketing where it could be doing full funnel marketing, which is kind of how we look at it from top of funnel or top of the funnel to bottom of the funnel. Um, It could also be you're integrated into the product. So you're engineering growth into it. But um, the way I think about it is you kind of function as an outsource head of growth where your main KPIs are aligned with the business leaders, where it's about top line sales about top line customer acquisition. And so that's how we think about it, is really kind of being one in one with a, a CEO or CMO. And, and how I got into this, I mean, my career actually started in finance. I was at a, a small investment bank doing MA deals, meaning I just looked at spreadsheets and would never talk in meetings. And it was really fun because I would see people selling these businesses, growing them. And I was like, man, that is fascinating. I would love to be on that side of the table. Um, and so this was a time as startups were kind of um, really exciting and coming up. I was like, I just need to go jump on one that I'm excited about and learn everything I can. And as I did that, um, I am not super technical in that I'm, I'm not a developer. So that means you kind of get thrown into the, the marketing role. And so I, I got very lucky in that I was on a couple startups where I was like early employee, knew nothing. They were growing and quickly like, oh, we need people to figure out e-commerce, figure out email marketing, SEO, and I would just dive into that task. And from that, um, I was able to, to learn some skills and get connected with a few VC firms. They're like, oh, we loved what you did here. Would you talk to this CEO about what you did? And that led to some small one-off consulting gigs. And I eventually hit a crossroads where like in the mornings I was waking up before work doing consulting work, nights and weekends I'm doing consulting work. I'm like, I would like to have a life and maybe like some free time, I should probably make a decision what I want to do. And so about almost four years ago, I kind of made that decision to go from working for a startup to go all in on kind of the consulting side of things. Yeah, that's great. Great. Uh, over to you, Adrian. Love to know um, how big your team is. And, and uh, you mentioned you want to have a life. So I imagine that you have some help. Uh, one of the biggest things about being an agency is they're often stretched way too thin in terms of resources, time, personnel, et cetera. So how do you manage to be the growth guy for, for so many, for so many companies? Yeah, that's a great question. It's funny because starting out with an agency, I had the title of CEO, which was just a complete lie. Cause it's like, I was doing everything, you know, I was copywriter, I was ad optimizer, you know, I'm project manager. And just in the past year, was I able to finally fire myself and get specialists that could do the job significantly better than me and focus on working on the business. But so we're, um, we are at seven people hiring two right now, looking for um, two kind of CRO analysts to come in. Um, And so, yeah, that, um, that, that was the biggest move for me because the really hard thing with consulting is, like as an employee, you want to go above and beyond, do whatever it takes to get results. And that's, that's pretty simple thinking. But as an agency, that idea of going above and beyond can actually hurt your business, hurt your margins and hit, hurt other clients. So for me, I really struggled with that because my default was I'll just work my tail off for every single client and get amazing results, but you have a cap. And so for us, it meant being very clear on what we do and what we don't do. So that way, within what the client cares about and what their expectations are, we can over-deliver. And in things that we don't do, we can just say, hey, we don't do that. Sorry, that, that's out of scope. Um, so for me, like getting a team to do some of the things that I was doing so I could work on the business and then aligning with our scope 
have been the biggest things to have a life and, and actually scale the business because it, it makes it much more, much less custom um, when it, whenever you're able to have a fine uh, SOW, like statement of work that, that's pretty consistent across clients. I'd love to know a little bit about the way that your growth agency works. Because typically, like uh, I used to be in the agency business myself and my software is specifically geared to digital marketing agencies. And so I work a lot with digital marketing agencies and they all have the exact same problems or yeah. like they don't, they don't, they don't charge enough. They don't have enough time and et cetera. The list goes on and on and on and on. And it seems like you've been able to solve a lot of those particular issues. Um, what's the way that you work in terms of monetary investment on behalf of the client? Because there's a thousand different ways to do it, you know, do it hourly, milestone, you know, full project up front, half and half. What's kind of like the sweet spot for, for all of this digital marketing work that you do? Yeah, that's, that's a great loaded question. We could talk about for 10 hours and then I'd have a million questions as well. But um, I've learned all this the hard way. But what, one thing that I've found for us is, um, you know, if, if we get the right client on the right tech stack at the right stage of life, a project's going to go extremely well. When you have the wrong client um, at the wrong phase, it is not going to work. And what's super counterintuitive is the more people will pay and the bigger they are, um, the actual less demanding they are. Um, some of the smallest clients with the smallest budgets can be the most demanding. And you, for me, I didn't really learn that until going through that. Um, so you have to understand what are your points of leverage to scale an agency when it's people-based. So one is, always doing the same type of work or two, always working with the same types of industries, clients or tech stacks. So if you can do those things, you can productize some of your services while still making it custom for them. Um, and whenever you're able to do that, then you can make great SOPs to train people and do those things really well. So for us right away, we need to know, is this a good client for us? And for us, our sweet spot is someone that's just done like a B round of funding. Ideally, they're consumer-based. E-commerce and Shopify is ideal because their tech stacks are very easy to plug into. Um, and also for a... Jim, Jim, I must interrupt. You just swore there. You just you just mentioned Shopify. It's, <laughs> it's WordPress, my friend. WooCommerce. <laughs> Well, I will, I will say WooCommerce is like our, our other go-to. It's, and I will say we do some big commerce. I'm only kidding. I say he's Jim. I'm sorry. I apologize. Yes. Um, but it's like the, the e-commerce space and in general, WooCommerce, Shopify are ideal um, where you have kind of a nice plug-in and app ecosystem. Because um, with CRO, um, e-commerce is very black and white if you're good or not. Um, and so, so either you us, make money or you don't make money. <laughs> exactly. Like lead generation can be good because there's high transaction volume, but it's not as clear of a picture to uh, revenue ROI. Um, and so for us, if, if we can one qualify the client to make sure they fall into that sweet spot and in the back of our mind, we're like, Hey, we know we're going to knock this one out of the park because they have over a hundred thousand sessions. They have a good AOV and they're an e-commerce site. Um, or we believe that in nine months, they're going to be really happy. Um, the other thing is, so it's like qualifying the clients, knowing it's the right tech stack, knowing that it's um, you know the, the industry you want. The other thing is we'll delay starting until we have everything going because the first 30 days will make or break the retention of your project. And most agencies 
you do so much upfront work, your margins aren't really good until three, six, nine, 12 months in, depending on what you do. And so if we can start and we're just getting a test live within the first week, we're launching ads in the first week, we're giving research and customer intelligence within the first two weeks, the client's first impression is like, wow, these, this team gets it. So if we can set all of that up, um, we're going to have you know, good clients that have a great lifetime value. So, so those are the, some, of the, some of the things we're thinking through. The other thing is like upselling with other services that you have, right? Because we anchor in being your outsourced head of growth, doing CRO, but really that's customer intelligence. We get so much, so many insights there that we can apply to our ads team because we also do social ads and to our email automation team. So those are ways to also upsell because we're already meeting with these people once a week. If we can bake in other services and increase that average order value or monthly retainer, um, then, then that's helpful for margins. You, you mentioned that you work, you try to get companies that have funded with a B round. Now that might be lingo, not entirely familiar to some of our audience. Um, so essentially for anyone who doesn't know, if you're taking funding, you usually take a seed round, uh, which is you'll get a million dollars from some VC or other, and then you'll get take an A round, uh, which is probably multiple VCs with multiple millions of dollars. And then if your company doesn't implode after that, then you might be able to make it to uh, a B round. And all of this is explained in a lovely show called Silicon Valley, which is a great sitcom if you haven't watched it, you should. But I'm curious, since, since you're kind of like operational at that echelon where big money is at stake, uh, a lot of agencies are starting to consider the the kind of like the work for shares or the work for uh, ownership model. And I'm curious if that's ever something that you've explored where instead of taking a retainer or an upfront payment, you said, hey, listen, you know, we see this company going far, give us like 3% and we'll we'll just take care of it. Yeah, um, it's something that the branding agency Red Antler and uh, Paper Crane Factory have done pretty well, and it's it's very interesting. I've I've done it with two, um, and for one, it has worked out very well. For one, um, it's 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 still to be determined. And so the the issue there is if you're taking shares. Who are you giving shares to? Is it to me, the owner? I'd like to share it with my team who's actually like doing a lot of the work. So you almost need to make a separate entity where they get ownership in, and then you have a vesting schedule there as well. So it gets a little complicated. The, the other component that is difficult is breaking up, you know, do you still get a retainer? Is it a discounted retainer? And, and how does that work? So um, at first, I was really excited about it. As I got into the nuance, I've, I've struggled with that structure. And also, it, it's hard to put food on the table with equity shares. I can't go to Whole Foods and, and buy bread with equity. Um, and so that that's the other component. But it is something that like we're very interested in and we've done lightly. One other thing is, and this is going off on a tangent, but it's this buy then build model. Like if, if we're such a good growth agency, why can't we grow our own things? Whether it's incubating an idea that we grow or acquiring a plugin or a Shopify site that or what WooCommerce site that hey, has oh thank you. Yeah, I'm <laughs> worried, so. um, um, that has some traction but hasn't done some of like the 
the kind of table stakes things we believe should be done. But, um, but yeah, I think it's a model that um, is very interesting. It's a matter of how you can also compensate your team is one thing that I kind of struggle with. But um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. You 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 quickly mentioned that the the question why haven't you gone and kind of acquired just something and just done it? I know if you're familiar with with Ryan Dice, he's got his survival blog thing that he's heavily invested in and. Mm-hmm. And his team does a lot of the work for. Have you ever? Is there a reason why you haven't done that, or is that something that you're interested in? Yeah, I, I think that's a fascinating p- approach. It's it's kind of on the long term roadmap. I I, um, I think like a lot of business owners, I get shiny object syndrome, where it's like, oh, we should do that, we should do that, we should do that. And I, I um, my my CEO and partner is really good at this at kind of reining in like we need to focus, and so we have some pretty aggressive goals with the consultancy. It's like, let's focus on that. Let's get that and get that machine going. And then we can kind of go on to the next thing. And so, um, yeah, I, I love that approach. Why I haven't done it is not enough hours in the day. I guess you could say, I, I keep trying to squeeze Typical agency problems. <laughs> right. Not yeah. enough people, not enough time. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a lot more difficult to, to say no when you're the customer yourself. Right. Yes, exactly. And it's like, how do you, as an agency, what is your risk appetite? Like, as you're making money and building up your cash reserves, how much burn do you want in the bank to pay for your team for three, six, nine months versus investing in projects and whatnot? So that's something we're always kind of um, working on because growth sucks cash. As we're looking to hire more people, our burn rate's going to go up even more, right? So it's a constant balance. Well, my own agency, I don't actually directly employ anybody there. Um, my, my core team are all on retainers, monthly retainers. Nice. And my core team uh, have been with me for about six years. Um, and then I have a project manager. Um, and then I have um, two to three other developers and a designer. The designer's on a retainer as well, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't directly employ anybody in my team, but they're all, most of them have been with me f- between three and six years, Jim. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a, something, because it really does help with the cash flow problem. Um, and also uh, my team is um, half is offshore and half is based in America. So it, it's a distributed company. Um, we're going to go for our break and we're coming back. And um, I think it's been a great discussion so far, but I'm going to be asking Jim when we come back. Um, um, basically, it's the mindset of a freelancer because when you become an agency, I think you've got to be much more focused about how you get the right type of clients than when you're a freelancer. When you're a freelancer, it's very important, but I think there's differences. I'm going to be putting that question to Jim when we come back. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need WP Tonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. WP Tonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. 
So don't delay. Find out how WP Tonic's white label services can help your agency today. Go to WP-Tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's WP-Tonic, just like the podcast. We've had a great discussion with Jim. Um, We've been talking all things agency. So um, as I said in the first half of the show, when you're a freelancer, um, I think, you know, you could be working for agency and you're doing some sideline projects. That's if the agency will allow you to do that. You be, might be working for a university or a medium to large company and you're doing side projects, right? Um, or you could be a freelancer and you're based on your reputation or the niche. And then you get to a certain stage and you think, I, I want an agency. But I think one of the big differences between freelance and agency, and I might be wrong here, is that when you become an agency, you've got to be a lot more aggressive about getting clientele um, and processes that can reliably fill the funnel of new prospects than when you're a freelancer because either you're going to have people on retainers or you'll be paying people's salaries. So you've got to have a much larger flow of potential prospects. First of all, would you agree with that? And how do you build those mechanisms that fills the beast, basically, Jim? I I totally agree. If if you're trying to actually build an agency or business where you remove yourself from having to do every job, and, and be a, a, a true business owner, then you absolutely need, need to, to focus on that. Um, whereas like, I, I think the freelancer, um, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's more of just managing your time in, in your own rate and in your own kind of workflow. Um, and so, I don't know, for, for me, like what one thing that I've kind of worked on is as I'm like building the business, trying to figure out, you know, what are those points of leverage to actually scale and grow? So like having SOPs, knowing exactly what your workflow is huge. Um, And I think early on, you're kind of nervous. You'll take any business. Like that's how I was at least. I was always paranoid that I'd be fired by everybody. So I had the the yes syndrome where I'd say yes to everybody. But what the, the truth is, you need to understand your margins for every single client and you'll start to realize, wow, we're actually not making money here. We're losing here. Oh, wow. When we take on this type of client and just do this offering, we have great margins. And by the way, the client's extremely happy. You have to go through with a fine tooth comb on those things because once you understand your margins and your unit economics, then you know how you can scale and grow the business. So we do a monthly or I'm sorry, weekly update where we're looking at especially our developers and designers, how much time they're spending and where it's going. Um, Because especially when you're doing uh, development work for these uh, CRO tests, they're very time consuming and expensive. Um, And so we kind of have a limit with clients that that they know about just to make sure we have, you know, a a healthy and sustainable business. That's great. Over to you, Adrian. Um, Let's talk about it since you, 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 You're a Shopify and WooCommerce and e-commerce growth expert. Um, I'd love I'd love to know where you start. So let's 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 say an e-commerce comes to you and they just built this store and it's very pretty and they come to you and it's like, but it's not. We're not making any money for whatever reason. 
uh, I'd love to know kind of like one of your go-to strategies. Like, well, obviously, you know, you don't have this on your site. As soon as we deploy this, you're going to see X amount of growth just immediately because we've done this so many times. Is, is there a strategy like that that exists? And can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, I, I wish there was like a one-size-fits-all solution for it. I do have some best practices like everybody does. But so what we do is we do two things very quickly and one of them most people always ignore. So we do quantitative analysis, which everybody does. We're mapping the file like, okay, homepage, collection page, product detail page, checkout, where are the drop-offs? That starts to expose some things. And then we segment that based on traffic source, mobile, desktop, whatnot. So right away you have questions like, okay, wow, they're great at getting traffic from paid on mobile, but wow, everyone's abandoning. And then here's the thing that I think everybody ignores is doing the qualitative analysis. They know what's happening on the site, but they don't know why. They're not actually being proactive and talking to their customers. So we're doing heat maps, we're doing scroll maps, we're doing session recordings, all to get at a very simple question of, the people that are abandoning, why are they ban- abandoning? So we started doing voice of customer research. Like, okay, what did you not find today? What were you looking for that you didn't get? And right away, you start to understand what that pain point is that is not being addressed. And usually we can break it up into like three or seven categories. And those insights that you get are gold because it's like, wow, they have issues with pricing or sizing or fit or they're still not educated on the product, when or how to use it. And once you understand that, those insights are gold to apply to a landing page, to an email campaign, to an ad campaign. So those are things that that we want to get at whenever we're first starting. Um, I mean, beyond that, we're definitely looking at like some usability tests. We're looking at you know, image quality, reviews, social proof, but the the quantitative and qualitative stuff, that's usually where we can get big wins. I want to know about the discount code. I, w- I want to know, because you go to every single big e-commerce site and the first thing that pops up is 10% email sent. I'd love to know your your insight from working with larger stores than most people are familiar with. Yeah, you, uh, you go to its side, it's like, click here. You're like batting away every pop-up with discounts and cookies and GDPR. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's a problem. So especially if you're like a premium brand, well, first it's like right away you're educating people to look for discounts, which is that the right way to get people excited about your product? Um, for, for me, that's a little worrisome because then you're like in this price penetration mode and you're playing, it's a race to the bottom if you're doing that. So that's definitely an option. I mean, other things that I want to do is like, if I can, I want to sell people on the aspiration, on the problem we're solving, our point of differentiation. Um, If you have a good email nurturing campaign pop-ups, as annoying as they are and easy to hate on, they are very good. But usually I would like to do that in the form of, you know, uh, content upgrade, give them some value. It's really annoying, but giveaways over $500 really work. I want them to lose every single time, but it's, it's the best way to you know, get high um, email conversion rates. Um, but discount codes, if you can build it into your margin are good, but I actually like doing them more as an exit intent at a high intent page, like a checkout or product detail page, as opposed to just doing a spray and pray approach, right? When people come to the site. 
Is there is there any? Uh, do you have any measurable? Oh, AI, Jen. I just want to slightly interrupt because I actually um, like to expand that what you just said, but in our bonus content, um, I've just seen you know um, in the last five minutes of the show. Um, I like to keep on the agency subject, but I will be. We will be coming back about the e-commerce because okay. um, I think it's a fascinating subject. But um, what I was going to ask you is, um, you know, you know, we've got the freelancer, we've got the agency, but you mentioned it at the beginning of the show that finding a niche, finding an area. Um, See, like with my own agency, we build learning management systems for universities, internal training, and we build membership websites. That's what WP Tonic does. So um, all the things you pointed out, um, that it helps with margins, um, repetitivity, um, you know what you're taking on because you've done it a few times before. So I think in 2020, this is really important. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, it's funny. I think, I don't know, I I made the mistake like first launching an agency where I try to be everything to everybody. Like, oh, we're a growth marketing agency. Yes, we'll do that. And you quickly realize that's not a a good way to go. And um, it's funny, I heard the advice all the time, but until I put into practice did I truly understand that like the phrase, what well, like the, the riches are in the niches as far as yes, you're going to be saying no to a lot of things and that can be really hard. But when you say yes to a few things and you find a client that fits into that sweet spot, your confidence goes up significantly. You feel much better about selling them or closing them because you know you're going to do good work and your, your rates can go up, your lifetime value goes up because of that. And the thing is, like, there, there's so many talented people coming on as freelancers and agencies, and unless you can capture all that talent and really be this full service agency, it's going to be hard to be everything to everybody. So I, I really think it is about like niching down and going all in because it, as you start to understand the total addressable market that you're probably going after with your niche, it's much bigger than you realize. And depending on what your goals all are, you don't need to capture, you know, even 10% of it to hit your revenue goals. And so if you can be very clear on like what your business goals are from revenue perspective, and you start to do the math, it's like, wow, actually, like, this is very obtainable by niching down and hitting X percent of our market, like we, we can do this. And so I, I think that's an exercise every agency needs to go through um, when they're really trying to figure out what are we here for? And who are we trying to serve? Yeah, just to wrap up before um, we wrap up the podcast show, and hopefully um, Jim can agree to um, be um, have a bit more of a discussion in our bonus content. Just to wrap up um, is um, obviously this is a WordPress very focused show, um, but you know it's digital, it's digital agency WordPress. So how important is WordPress on? for your team and in your consciousness or is it just one of many tools you know how would you place wordpress um connected to your agency yeah well my my personal blog uh growth head are and growth that are both built on wordpress um for me it's it was kind of my entry point into getting somewhat technical as like a, a finance person and marketer um 
kind of banging around on building my own WordPress site, like playing with plugins, trying to code stuff myself. For me, I, I think anyone that's in the world of digital marketing, technical, being technical has to be a component of that, whether it's front end, back end, or getting into, you know, design and UX. Um, but you got to figure out what is the platform that's going to help you kind of practice that. And, and for me, it's been WordPress. And I really enjoy the, the kind of, ecosystem around it because there's so many thought leaders there's so many tutorials there's so many plugins that allow you to do whatever you want and so i um like our our tech stack to, to build like the, the seven figure agency is like very simple but the, the core of it is is wordpress oh, great to hear that jim you have to come back on the show i think the half hour you could always tell when it's a good interview and a good you know you've got a great guest because the time you've got so many more questions you want to ask i've got some questions that i'm going to be asking jim i'm sure uh adrian is ready for some more questions we'll be um so um you can watch that on the wp tonic website and youtube channel the bonus content and the whole interview but for now we're going to wrap up the podcast part of the show jim how can people find out more about you and your agency yeah absolutely my uh it's just growthhit.com. My email's jim at growthhit.com. And then I'm, I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman. I, I post some interesting articles that I find in, in the occasional baby pick. So yeah, I'm, I'm around. That's great. And Agent, how can people find out more about you and your great product, Groundhog? So if you're an agency and you are looking to help a business with their uh, digital marketing, sales, and marketing automation, then you can go to groundhog2gs.io. We have lots of proven digital marketing and sales products there that will help you do just that. And I just want to announce we've got another webinar in August. It's going to be the first Tuesday of August, which I think is the 4th, at 9 a.m. We've got Chris Bader of um, Lifter LMS is going to be our guest. We're going to be talking about all things Lifter LMS. We're going to be talking about Lifter LMS 4.0, one of their biggest updates they've, that, that, that they have done recently. We're going to be talking about Lifter LMS groups. We're going to be talking about best practice of building a, a course using Lifter LMS. It's going to be a great webinar with Chris. Like I say, it's going to be totally free and you're going to have the uh, ability at the end to ask Chris any question about Lifter LMS. It's going to be a blast. Chris is a friend of mine. So basically, you can go to the WP Tonic website and right in the top menu, there'll be free webinar button and you can register on there. Like I say, that's going to be on the first Tuesday of August, which is the 4th at 9am Pacific Standard Time. Hopefully you've enjoyed the interview. Go over to the bonus content. I think we're gonna, it's going to be a great conversation that we're continuing. We'll be back next week, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 